Hey, this is Last Coffee House. We're doing the first ever anti-fragile discussion. We're doing a book discussion. I am trying to milk the 10 or 20 or 40 or 50 hours that I spend reading these damn books for a little bit more than the 30, 20, 30 minute book analysis that I get out of these things. So, well, in addition to being incredibly well-informed and a genius and all that stuff, but here's a more uh, concrete way to be able to milk it a little bit more. The one we just read was Anti-Fragile by Nassim Nicholas Taleb. And I just saw an interview with him. And he was talking about, what was he talking about? Oh, I hadn't gotten into it. I just watched the beginning. And I could already tell he has kind of this no-nonsense personality. Where you have kind of the vamping that goes on with the interviewer. And Taleb just kind of want, wants to move past that. And get to the next part where they actually discuss something. So much appreciated. But anti-fragile is about a lot of things. It's got big ideas. And so what we're going to do, we're going to talk, discuss a little bit about it in a little more free-form kind of situation. I've got some reviews that discuss it in fun and engaging ways. And then, uh, not to be, I don't know, odd about it, but I've got kind of an action plan. Because I really think one thing that has stuck with me ever since I heard it that I'm trying to implement everywhere is not to identify a problem without offering a solution and to be more aggressive and active in trying to accomplish things. So I've got a bit of an action plan to try to figure this stuff out and apply the kinds of things that we're learning here. But so anti-fragile, this is the definition. So we can get on some sure footing here as we get started. This is the definition that the author gives in the book of anti-fragile. Quote, some things benefit from shocks. They thrive and grow when exposed to volatility, randomness, disorder, and stressors, and love, adventure, risk, and uncertainty. Yet in spite of the ubiquity of the phenomenon, there is no word for the exact opposite of fragile. Let us call it anti-fragile. Anti-fragility is beyond resilience or robustness. The resilient resists shocks and stays the same. The anti-fragile gets better. This property is behind everything that has changed with time, evolution, culture, ideas, revolutions, political systems, technological innovation, cultural and economic success, corporate survival, good recipes, say, chicken soup or steak tartare with a drop of cognac, the rise of cities, cultures, legal systems, equatorial forests, bacterial resistance, even our own existence as a species on this planet. And anti-fragility determines the boundary between what is living and organic or complex, say the human body and what is inert, say a physical object like the stapler on your desk, end quote. There is no stapler on my desk, it is in my drawer, so there you go. But that is a, an incredibly modest and <laughs> so much humility built into that description of what his book is about, of course. But it covers everything, covers all the things. I'm guessing even the rise and fall of planets and red dwarfs all the way up to the white, what, super giants or whatever they're called, stars, that it applies to those all as well. But some things to take from it, we want volatility, we want randomness, we want stressors. Those things make us, take us more to the right of the spectrum, make us more anti-fragile instead of fragile, and more capable of advancing, not just despite the things that oppose us, but because of the things that oppose us. So some big ideas, three big ideas that I wanted to pull from it. The spectrum, of course. Fragile, robust, anti-fragile. Fragile is what we should not be. Those are the things that we build up this stability and then when something comes in, it throws us a little bit one way or the other. It can knock us off the cliff. You know, it's like going over a bridge on a train or something like that where you could be on sure land 
and or have a, a broad track and firm grasp that things that hit you either way they're not going to do much damage but or you could be over a ravine and have a very limited grasp of the track and something that just nudges you one way or the other can send you off into the deep Robust, of course, is just neutral. It's just you can withstand it. You'll survive it, but it doesn't do anything for you. And then anti-fragile is it does something for you. It gets you somewhere. You take it and you are better for it. And then second big idea, the application, the whole idea of the controlled burn and the asymmetry of the good and the bad. So if you have something where the good that you can possibly receive from whatever complex system you're engaging with is very limited, but the bad can be astronomical then that's where you have to try to figure out how to be more anti-fragile instead of fragile. And this happens so much in complex systems, so it's something that you have to be aware of and develop some kind of a habit to try to figure this out and be able to apply the proper methods. Uh, like being a tinkerer rather than a thinkerer. <laughs> this is the way I put it. Be a tinkerer, not a thinkerer. Now, historically, something that I've been way too much as a thinker, I overthink, I analyze, I try to figure out the absolute answer to everything, as opposed to using the tinkerer method, which is proven historically. Mother Nature gave it to us, handed it down, and it is the best way to try to figure out what's true, what's what's the best, what works the best, at least. Maybe not necessarily true, but what works the best is to tinker and tinker and tinker until you find something, you find that path through, whatever you're trying to figure out. Take lots of small risks. So all over the place, it's great to have a bunch of small failures that you can control. It's those controlled burns all over the place. Whatever particular area of inquiry or thing that you're trying to accomplish, have a bunch of controlled burns all over the place so that you can manage those and they're going to make give you a little bit more information, stressors that give you a little bit more information so that you get better and better instead of taking all those big shocks or playing it so safe that it's you have that stability, but then once something nudges you off course, then it hits too hard. Try and fail at a lot of different things. And obviously the application to economics is something that's big and broad and has to be implemented in the correct way and has to be kind of a cultural change as opposed to a policy change necessarily. And of course, I think as we addressed at some point, stressors are information untested systems atrophy they begin to atrophy and get worse over time so you want tested systems whether it's you as a person whether it's your emotional responses or emotional state or what you're capable of or not capable of you want tested systems because otherwise they begin to atrophy and then you're more fragile to whatever can come along so there are questions about how convincing this whole framework is. I find it awfully appealing, at least, and especially since he shouted out Nietzsche at some point in the book as having figured much of this out. And like I said, it's got more of an air of archetypal communication as opposed to empirical communication, which is how you have to talk to human beings because we're stupid apes. So it makes perfect sense in that framework. And there are a lot of great things, I think, that come out of this that push us in such a way that we can have many more atoms of better people who are going to be less fragile and more inclined to do better as a result of discord. So we're going to get into some of the <laughs> reviews, which I think had much of the same response as I and a lot of the people who are listening to this, I'm sure, had, which is a lot of fun. Uh, so we have the New York Times. This is the title of this article is You Are All Soft. Embrace Chaos, with two exclamation points in the title of this New York Times article. I think it was written in 2012. So this before the New York Times became a horrible partisan trash heap that betrayed its charge in defending the American people. But this one was written by Michiko Kakutani, 
And here is what the author says, quote, A reader could easily run out of adjectives to describe Nassim Nicholas Taleb's new book, Antifragile, Things That Gain From Disorder. The first ones that come to mind are maddening, bold, repetitious, judgmental, intemperate, erudite, reductive, shrewd, self-indulgent, self-congratulatory, provocative, pompous, penetrating, perspicacious, and pretentious. End quote. I don't know that I can argue against any one of those <laughs> descriptors about this book. That's what I love about that particular blurb. And of course, perspicacious means incisive or something around those lines. But I love all those descriptors. Uh, another quote from this particular author, quote, Unfortunately, he delivers such lessons with bullying, grandiosity, and off-putting, self-dramatizing asides. He boasts about being able to deadlift 330 pounds and about being an intellectual who has the appearance of a bodyguard. He also boasts about uncovering ideas in the philosopher Seneca's work that no other commentators have recognized. So, end quote. So a little bit of a criticism there. And that's why I think it's kind of communication beyond those more generic methods of communication. And that's why these things are not necessarily detractors from the value of the book, the, the bullying grandiosity. <laughs> the boasts were something that definitely stuck out as I was initially reading it, but there was something that kind of fell into the right kind of terrain. It had the right atmosphere as you went into it, and it made sense to have the bullying and the boasts. It just made, made sense. The Wall Street Journal, this article is entitled Economic Bricolage. We should treat failed entrepreneurs with the reverence that we deserve, that we reserve for fallen soldiers. This was written by Matt Ridley in the Wall Street Journal. Quote, Mr. Taleb, a former trader and expert on probability, tells the story in Anti-Fragile, Things That Gain From Disorder, to illustrate the point that we don't put theories into practice, we create theories out of practice. It is a startling insight, which he applies not just to finance, but to medicine, science, and philosophy. Successful medicine was a craft built around experience-driven heuristics that had to fight against entrenched, top-down theorizing from Galen and other wise fools, end quote. So, important idea. This particular writer is pulling out really novel approaches to trying to figure things out, and that is the experience-driven heuristics as opposed to the top-down kind of rationalism that is coming up with a bunch of ideas from the safety of never having tried any of them. Quote, Mr. Taleb systematically demolishes what he cheekily calls the Soviet Harvard notion that birds fly because we lecture them how to. That is to say that theories of how society works are necessary for society to work. End quote. Again, it's the experience. It's experience-driven. That's how you develop these heuristics. It's not through sitting down and trying to rationally divine how these things work or put pieces together in that way. You, you get out there and you do stuff and that's how you figure it out. Scientific American has some things to say. This one is entitled, Nassim Taleb is Annoying, but Antifragile is Still Worth Reading, by John Horgan. Quote, he offers some suggestions for achieving antifragility in government, business, and other spheres. Think of the economy as being more like a cat than a washing machine. Favor businesses that learn from their own mistakes. Small is beautiful, but it is also efficient. Trial and error beats academic knowledge. Decision makers must have skin in the game. End quote. So these are a bunch of chunks, just little bits, morsels that you can chew on a little bit about how you need to approach these different areas. One of the things when it comes to government, especially nowadays, is that it has structurally too much distance between what the elected officials do and the aftermath of what they have done, which is a problem. And as Winston Churchill said, democracy is the worst form of government except for all the other ones. <laughs> 
And it's something that it doesn't feel like there's much of an easy way to get around this idea that elected officials will always want to do the short-term thing that's going to look the shiniest. And the only real approach or repose to that is that we have to culturally be committed to that long-term thinking and this idea of anti-fragility and finding that in our elected officials. And there are just way too many incredibly stupid people out there who still get to vote. And every time I think about this particular concept, I am I run into the same wall about how I would really like it if really stupid people didn't get to vote or we made voting requirements much more stringent. But then you think about how people are self-interest machines, no matter how smart you want to be. I mean, obviously I'm perfect and will be completely objective if I were the one in power, but for everybody else, you know, the 7 billion and whatever rest of the people, even if they happen to be smarter, more capable, more moral, or whatever, there still is an important function that's played by allowing people who might be idiots to try to vote in their best interests without having people just dictate from the top what their best interests are. Those could be kind of controlled burns in themselves. You know, obviously these are very complex systems, but allowing idiots to vote in idiotic ways could be the controlled burns that help us keep a system that keeps going. Now, obviously, we're, we are teetering at this point, but that could be an aspect of that controlled burn is to let idiots uh, vote in idiotic ways. <laughs> okay, what was the... I just went on a tangent there. Oh, uh, here, quote... Like Taleb's 2007 bestseller, The Black Swan, Antifragile brims with bluster, mean-spirited diatribes, and chest-thumping self-congratulation. I nonetheless recommend it, because the book is entertaining and provocative in the best sense. That is, even if you question what Taleb is saying, and you certainly should, he forces you to examine your own biases and assumptions. Yes, he can be irritating, but so are many of our most original thinkers." End quote. And again, just the posture and personality of the book in itself is refreshing, which is what a lot of the reviewers point out. We had an NYT, WSJ, and a Scientific American. And that personality that comes through, like I said, I think it has a lot to do with the archetypal method of trying to communicate as opposed to the empirical method. So what is our action plan? <laughs> Figure out how different categories can learn to benefit from chaos, from randomness from volatility, from the stressors, try to figure out how, in all the various categories in society, those can benefit from those things. Be determined to fail many times in minimum ways. <laughs> Find out how to do that. And whatever you're trying to get better at, figure out how to do that. Be more active and aggressive and call out coddling, whether it's of yourself or of others, or at large in society, call out coddling wherever you see it. There's a great blog chunk written in 2014 that has a kind of a breakdown of what this book talks about, which I really appreciated. So I'm going to link a whole bunch of all this stuff uh, in the show notes. So you can have a look at that if you'd like. But of course, like I said, in the future, I'd really love to be able to have a tete-a-tete, -a, -tete, a back and forth, a bit of an argument about these kinds of books and the ideas in these books. I'm going to try to figure out how to do that in a better way. I've heard of something called Discord. <laughs> that I see some people using that by me might be a method for that, but otherwise I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to figure that out. But for our purposes here, I think it was good to go through a discussion of the book in toto in anticipation of kind of diving a little more closely into some of the ideas. And it would be great to have somebody on the other side to be able to really chew on these things and try to figure out what, what you really get from each one of these. So for now, that was fun though, right? <laughs> that was good to have an actual discussion about the book. 
we just race through these so quickly and they're they're like child it's just like leaving a child behind a lot of these books i mean some of the children are ugly and stupid so it's good to leave them behind but some of these books actually have a lot going on so it's good to spend a little bit more time with them so this was definitely one of those and this was the first one first one ever that we got to discuss for reals Anyway, this was a a decent week. (laughs) We're at, what, Friday now? I hope the weekend goes well. All the the entire week just blends together for me. I just work, 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 and and isn't there a song like that? Work, work, work. Is that Rihanna? Why is that in my head? Uh, So hopefully your weekend, however, goes well. And hopefully we can finish out 2020. And I'm hoping New Year's Eve, the aliens actually show up. Did you see that? The Israeli defector said that the United States and Israeli governments have been in contact with aliens and they've been hiding it because they don't know how to tell people about it. (laughs) I feel like if Trump had stumbled upon that information, he would have absolutely tweeted about it. But maybe he will if he is, in fact, on his way out. I'm just uh, fingers crossed. You know, this is the last season. The writers are pulling out all the stops and going jumping all over all the sharks. So hopefully we get aliens by the end of 2020. So we'll we'll see. Uh, we'll have an episode about that if that happens. <laughs> anyway, this is the last coffee house. I hope all is well, and I'll see you on the next one. All right, bye.